0: This is Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. My name is Tom Singer, and I have the honor to host this podcast every single week, where I bring to you conversations with really smart people who are making things happen in the world of speaking. And today, we're going to talk about how to be a working professional speaker while you're employed in a regular job. So often, we see people in the National Speakers Association and others who are full-time speakers, and we see people who have full-time jobs who want to transition to that but think they can't do both at the same time. Our guest today has been able to navigate that world for 12 years and be very successful as the employee for the organization and as a speaker and trainer. Our guest today is Dr. Samuel Jones. Hey, Samuel, welcome to Speakernomics. Hey, Tom, it's an honor to be here with you. Ah, So glad to have you. So what are your two tips for people who want to keep their full-time employment, but also be a working professional speaker?
1: Tip number one, be very, very
0: intentional with your opportunities. And tip number two is create your own runway. Ooh, I like this. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about this. And I think there's a lot of people listening who want to be in that situation but didn't think they could have their cake and eat it too. And Samuel's going to share how he has done this for so long. So for those of you who don't know Dr. Samuel Jones, he is the assistant to the president for leadership training at jones college by the way same last name as his last name but the college isn't named after him he's not he's not just someone who started his own college he actually is working for this university where he used to be the vice president of student affairs and what he does in his speaking world then is he helps leaders be more transformational and less transactional in what they've done and he's been doing that for 12 years so samuel let's jump into this you were the, the VP of student affairs, you had this great career in academia, you have your PhD, and you're thinking, I want to be a professional speaker. How did this all come about?
1: Well, well, it all came about really with, with tip number one, being very intentional with my opportunities. So when I first received my PhD, I was doing small talks. And I got affiliated with the NSA chapter in New Orleans, and I started hanging out with people who are literally doing this for the for their for their, their living. And the more I came, the more I realized, you know what, I'm having opportunities all the time to stand before people and speak. And so the tips and things that I've been learning at NSA New Orleans, I say, you know what, I need to be very, very intentional about speaking. And so I just came up with this massive plan to say, you know what, I want to do this eventually full time. And so I really delved into what the things that I was talking about, the the things that I was actually doing. And I merged those things together. And every opportunity that that I've received when I was in that role, I was acting as if, you know what, I'm a professional speaker. And so I had to shift my mindset that I was just not speaking to a college just because maybe of a training session or anything. I was tre- creating those opportunities. As if you know what, my clients are sitting out there right now, and so I was. I
0: became very intentional about every opportunity that I had to speak in front of. So when you talk about being intentional, that was both from the speeches you were already doing as part of your job, maybe some little opportunities, but also being intentional of knowing where you were. And knowing where you wanted to go. So let's go back to this. Did you talk to your employer as you started getting paid speaking gigs? You know, how how did you make that transition so that you could do both? And, and, and where were you the most intentional to move that needle forward?
1: Well, one of the best things that I can think of, Tom, is I had a great working relationship with the dean dean of the campus, who was my boss, who was still my boss, now Dr. Jesse Smith. So when I started making that transition as the assistant dean to dean of students, he recognized that, you know what, I am really creating a little niche in this world of speaking and how how that brought so much value to the college. And so it was, it was somewhat of a team effort of, you know, I'm doing some things on the side for myself and I'm also creating opportunities for the college. And so he and I, we just kind of had this partnership from that standpoint. And so when my business grew to a certain place, he recognized that I'm still bringing so much value and credibility to the campus that I still really need to be a part of it. And and it's been an honor for me to still be there and to bring all the tips and tricks that I'm learning out in the business world back to the campus. And so I think it's just been a a win-win for everyone involved.
0: So you bring up a really interesting thing, and that is, as a professional speaker who was going out into the community not just within the academia world but going into the community and giving these speeches both i'm sure some of them started off free and eventually you were being paid absolutely you in doing this you were actually bringing value to the college you saw it but your boss also saw it and so let's talk a little bit about that how how does you going out and getting paid to speak for a company How does that bring value to your employer?
1: Well, I think they see it as a a major investment, right? You're invested in where you are. And so, you know, one of the things that I've been working with leaders to understand is that during these interesting times now, you have to invest in your people and your people begin to do more and make more connections for the organization. And and when I saw that value, I was volunteering to go and speak places for on behalf of the college just because I recognized it was another opportunity for me to try these things that I've been learning from my colleagues at NSA New Orleans, right? You know, some people sit around waiting for a client to call them and say, man, I'm trying to drum a business. Well, if you're already working for an organization, that's a prime location for you to boil down what you do, how you do it, why you do it. And so you don't literally have to have clients because if you're working for an organization, chances are you have a great platform to
0: practice that that material right there. So you mentioned that you had a really good working relationship with your boss and he saw the value that you brought to the main part of your job and he saw the value you were bringing in with your speaking side. How does somebody make sure if they have a job and they're they're listening to this because they want to make this transition and they're like, I want to be just like Samuel. I want to do both at the same time. How do they make sure that they can talk about this with their boss? Well, I think it's just
1: building that relationship, right? Uh, allowing them to understand what your dreams and aspirations are, what your goals are. I think sometimes when we get in these these uh, professional workplaces, we're afraid to talk to our supervisor or our manager about what our dreams and aspirations are. You know, I, that kind of relationship we had, and when I shared that with him, he was like, you know what? I can see that in you. Um, I see great things for you. And so it was a partnership. And so anyone out there that may be working at a full time job, I would encourage them to create those relationships and start right now. Don't wait till, you know, you you have this game plan of what you want to be 20 years from now. Start right now and create and building those relationships.
0: Well, and I actually got into the speaking business because somebody gave me an opportunity to have a situation sort of like like yours. So I was working doing business development for a large bank and a consulting firm wanted me as their head of business development, but the CEO also knew me from the community. I'd already written a book. I was speaking locally for some things and she pulled me for lunch and she said, look, you really want to be a professional speaker, right? And I said, yeah. She goes, how long do you think that would take? to get full time. And I told her like three or five years, like I had a your, your next tip was create your runway. And we'll talk about that in a minute. I had in my mind a runway. And the problem was the bank didn't like me doing it. Mm. It wasn't that they had a problem with me having a side business. Right, They just didn't like not knowing where I was all the time. It was a very much more controlling environment. And she said, what if we could create a job for you where you were my director of business development, but in addition to that, You had, and and she gave me three extra weeks vacation that I could use to go give speeches. And so she recruited me by saying, hey, we can do this. So I didn't create it within the job I was, but it actually allowed me to sort of go forward and do this. Now, the recession of 2008, 2009 came along and and the company downsized and I never got the runway of three to five years. I was only there two years, Um, but when I got laid off from that job, I already had the foundation of my speaking career and was able to jump into it full-time. So I'm always forever grateful to that Love CEO. It. I'm sorry that the recession came and shortened the runway, but I'm always very grateful that she was open-minded enough to say that. Now, since the you know pandemic, I've talked to a lot of speakers who, for whatever reason, their business hasn't survived as well. My, you know, I, I totally get this. For whatever reason, they've decided to go take another job. And some people, They've negotiated in where they get to keep their speaking business alive. Some people, their new employers are like, nope, you know, that you can't do that. I actually think in today's world, it's a really smart employer who says, come work for me and will support you in doing what you know you're called to do and you can do both simultaneously. So I think for a lot of people, you know, the employer can be really smart by doing that. But in some cases, the employer might be old school and be like, no, you 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 can't go make any money or you can't have another commitment. You can't have a side hustle. What recommendation do you have for somebody who feels maybe they're in that situation?
1: Well, I think they need to step back and hit the reset button and really make a great decision about where really do they want to be i think the great resignation has been the has been the tipping point for a lot of organizations and those organizations who still try to operate in the old mantra mantra before uh, pre-covid they may survive right now but they're going to be irrelevant soon and so i think as a speaker that's in that predicament right now you just have to really decide is this something you really want to do? And you have to make a serious commitment for it. Um, you know. And even as I transition to talking about creating your own runway, one of the things that I've been talking to organizations about now is really boiling down and living the things that you talk about, what that mission statement is, right? What your vision statement is. And so when I talk to speakers about, and people about uh, creating that own, own runway, you actually have to live it out now. It's not about theory now. It's, it's about application. And so as professional speakers, we create our own runways when we literally live the things that we talk about.
0: All right. So what advice do you have for leaders and companies who might have an employee like you or me who wants to be a speaker, but they also want to do this job? They they, they like the company. They like the contribution they make. What advice would you give to leadership about being flexible to let people have you know their cake and eat it, too, if you will?
1: I think from from that standpoint, they need to identify what are they afraid of, right? What is the great fear? Identify that fear because what most of the time the fear is is real. It's not. It's right. It's an illusion, and so to get to that reality of we're afraid of this, let's really identify, attack, define, fill out uh, what what does that mean? Because at the end of the day, whatever the issue is. There's an underlying issue below that. And so if we can just drill down to what the, truly the issues are and then start from
0: working from that standpoint. So when I look at the membership of the National Speakers Association, most people who are active are full-time speakers, trainers, and they have – maybe they're an author, but everything sort of relates around that world. There's not as many people who have you know full or almost full-time employment and they have the freedom to, to, to go out and speak. As the world is changing – Individual employees are changing. They want to have that side hustle. They want to follow their passion and stuff. And companies are open up. I mean, look at what's going on with remote work and everything. Companies are being more flexible than they might have been 10 or 20 years ago. Do you think we're going to see more people who are actively working as speakers and trainers and coaches who also are working? So we'll see that be like a growing segment of our NSA membership.
1: I truly believe it will. I I think even just with a lot of the colleagues that I have right now, not only are they working for one organization, they're working for three or four other organizations. And that's the same thing, what I'm doing right now as well. You know, I'm working for one organization doing coaching and training. I'm working for another organization just doing straight coaching, right? I'm not even having to find clients to coach. They're bringing clients to me. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of that. And the more tools that we can add to our tool belt, the more opportunities will come. And that's another piece of creating your own runway. You have to constantly add tools to your tool belt. You know, the past couple of years have, you know, as speakers, we've become uh, movie directors. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we've been, we've had all the equipment, right? We just, we just jumped into it, but there was a lot of speakers who say, you know what, I don't want to do that. And maybe they went another route, but I just think the opportunities are limitless as we go forward with the possibilities,
0: I, I, and I do think it's interesting when you talk about speakers. Hey, we've become movie directors. I avoided learning how to edit video for my whole life. You know, if I needed to do it, I outsourced it, whatever. That's because I didn't do very many videos. I needed a new reel every couple of years, maybe wow. every now and then I'd have to make a promo video for an employee. I just hold out my phone. And now this year I actually learned to edit videos because I am making at least one, if not four or five short maybe two minutes maybe 10 minute videos every single week so it's like when you said that i laughed i'm like oh yeah 2022 was the year i learned to edit video after avoiding it for a decade
1: and and tom you know what the the crazy thing is i recognize that i should have been doing more videos for some of my clients and you know what forced me my church so you know our church we have an older population in our church and my wife and i and we have a few younger members in there but when the shift came with COVID. You know, we had to be really, really creative about how we're going to keep the services going. And so I volunteered to record. I volunteered to edit. I volunteered to do all of the things for the church to keep everything going. Fast forward, NSA New Orleans, I was chapter president in the middle of
0: 2020. Oh, God, God, God love you for being a chapter president in any time, but certainly (laughs) during the COVID years.
1: Right. So the things that I was learning from supporting the church, I was also doing for the chapter. And I recognize, you know what, I need to be doing these things for my business. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it just as speakers, we have to get in this mindset of just embracing the challenges that come. And as we do that, we're constantly creating our own runway. Because we're creating opportunities to work with more, better with our
0: clients, and provide them resources. And so, at the end of the day, that's literally how we do it. So we've already touched on it. Your second tip is create your own runway. But let's go deep. What do you mean when I, when you say create your own runway? You've already talked about having your tools and a few other things. But let's dive into this because I think this is key for everybody, especially if they're going to live with their feet in both camps of being an employee and independently having a, an active speaking business. What do you mean by create your own runway?
1: Well, one of the things that I've been able to do, well, I guess it's two things, is sometimes I, well, I'm really, I like to experiment with my content, right? You know, sometimes as speakers, we can get so to a point where I have this thing so perfect. Wow, this is, I'm just going to keep it like this for every client that I work with. Well, you know what? I've been in several situations where I've had a 60 minute keynote turn into 15 minutes or a client has asked me to turn a 60 minute presentation into a three hour training session. And I'm like, okay, yes, I can do that. And so it's really forced me to delve deeply into my content and to figure out creative ways to make it engaging, to make it inspiring, uh, to create uh, key learning takeaways from what I'm getting people to do and getting feedback. And so it's all about this experimentation. Right. We don't you know, we may say our runway needs to be 50 feet. Well, that may be good for a small plane. But when you get a 737, that runway may need to be five miles. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it, you just depend on where you are and where you can take off. I think your runway may be perfect, but as you work with bigger and demanding clients and their expectations and their budgets and right all of these things. So then you begin to have to really experiment with your content and make sure that it's going to be engaging and transformational and inspiring to get the value that your client wants.
0: So Samuel, in, in your trajectory of, of doing this. You you had been uh, the VP of student affairs mm-hmm. and now you're the assistant to the president for leadership and training. So how did that transition come in and are you working full-time now for the university? Did you, did it scale back when you made that transition? Let's talk about your current situation because I've got a few more questions about, about balancing both sides.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's scaled back to now about 60 to 70%. Right. And and I'm trying to remember the second part of the question you asked the first. part. Uh,
0: So it was, you know, the percentage and uh, and just how did that transition come about? Yes.
1: Thank you for that. So it, it transferred by. So the job description that I currently have, I actually wrote it about eight years ago. Um, so there was another college that was trying to recruit me away, and they asked the college president, "Say, you know, we'd love to have you do the work that you're doing for them at VP." And I said, "Well, the only way I'm leaving is it has to be the perfect job." And they asked me, well, "What's the perfect job for you?" And so I wrote a job description, <laughs> and I sent it to them. They was like, "Yes, we love that, we need that, but not for us right now." And I said, "Okay, fine, not a big deal." And so I set that job description on my bookshelf. For about seven years, because I didn't. I was like, well, maybe I'll never use it. And so one day my president and I, we had a conversation and and he recognized my business was growing and and uh, we just came to an agreement that maybe I need to do something different for the college. And I told him, I said, I have this job description that I have written and he read it and he was like, this is perfect. You can do this for us. And so that's kind of how that transpired.
0: Nice, nice. So you now have not a full time commitment, but a little bit of a flexibility built in. But how do you balance? This is the thing that worries a lot of people, both from the standpoint of of the speaker, who is the employee and the employer who is like, I want to step forward to the modern world and let you have your own business on the side. But what happens if I need you at a certain time? How do you find that balance to be able to do both?
1: Well, I don't. Right. I don't. And I learned this from Dan Thurman. Right. And Dan has a book called Off Balance On Purpose. And you know what? I read the book. I listened to the book. And just listening to the concepts that he talked about in that book has really helped me. And so my concept like that is just being off balance on purpose, right? So wherever I have to be, wherever I need to be, just make sure it's on purpose and things are not conflicting. And so I don't literally try to balance anything out. Um, I have that working relationship with the college and making sure the college knows, you know, what my availability is and where I need to be and, and they don't have any issues with that. And so I, I think I want to encourage speakers out there to be off balance on purpose, and control what you can control. And at the end of the day, make sure you control how you respond to everything.
0: Have you ever had a time since you've been doing both, have you ever had a time where there's been a conflict where, I mean, they've agreed to let you do it, but they've had to kind of hold their nose and be like, okay, you can be gone on Thursday.
1: You know what? I never really had that experience, but I did have an experience where I made a commitment and it was a um, it was a voluntary event that I was gonna do for a friend. I overbooked myself. And I didn't realize that I was supposed to be somewhere and I was not there. And that was the worst feeling I ever had. And I promised myself that that would never happen again. That happened about 10 years ago. And so experiences like that, I think, will really remind you to control what you can control and don't overschedule yourself. And so um, that experience really helped me. But no, I never had that. Never had that issue.
0: So, have you had times you had to say no to a couple of speaking opportunities just because the work at the college was preset and was already there?
1: No, you know, every, all of that has tend to work out. That 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 has tend to work out, and I'm so thankful for that. Right, I'm really grateful for that.
0: All right. So for somebody who's listening to this, and this is a two part question. So the first part is the person who currently has the full time job, they found Speakernomics because they want to build a speaking business, right? Maybe they haven't even ever been to an NSA meeting, but they they have the full time job, they want to transition, but they're like, I I can't walk away because I have a mortgage and kids and, you know, etc. What advice do you give to that person to be able to create this flexibility? What do they do today to start building this this path?
1: Well, I think they can start exactly where they are. Um, Are there some things that they can do virtually, right? Are Are there some things that they can create programs online, right? So if they can just get in this mindset of creating content to where they don't actually have to be away from their current job. Number one. Number two, have those conversations and relationships and with with your supervisors and your managers to get kind of get them to understand that, hey, you know what? This is kind of the path I, I want to experiment with this. And not only that, think about what can they create for their current employer? So rather than just focus on creating content for themselves experiment with creating content for their employer and give them some opportunities about how they can promote different things and create more revenue. And so, so make it a win-win situation.
0: No. And I love that about doing it for the employer. When I think back to my career, both the the consulting firm, the bank before that, and the law firm before that, where I was the business development person in every case, I was doing training for lawyers, bankers and consultants on how to engage in the community, which is still my topic today as a speaker, but I was doing it as a, a speaker, a trainer, and a coach inside the company. So they were getting the value of of what I was an expert in, but also I was getting the experience of training because I already was in a place. So I think that's a great idea.
1: And listen, Tom, the other piece is making making sure that you can connect the dots, right? So even if you're working for an educational institution and someone is talking about something so foreign, you have to be creative enough to, how can you connect that to your employer? So you have to do that for your employee because your employer is going to be like, we don't know how that connects to us. You have to do that for them. It's just like working with a client, right? Your topic, your client might be, well, we want a keynote speaker. What do you speak on? Well, what do we normally ask? Well, what are the biggest challenges and issues that, that your audience is dealing with, right? And so you got to connect those
0: dots for your employer. Nice. So the second part of this question is for a speaker who's a seasoned, been successful speaker, who for whatever reason, they're getting a little older, they don't want to travel as much. COVID kicked them in the butt a little bit. And they're thinking, you know what? I still want to speak, but I would like to sleep in my own bed more. And, or there's an opportunity out there that's like a dream job. How can I do both? What advice do you have for that person? Maybe a speaker going back into corporate America.
1: Well, I think... Not getting on the road and traveling things of that nature. I think creating some type of products, um, you know, creating to where you don't have to actually be everywhere. Um, if you can think from that mindset, because that's, that's where I'm getting ready to transition now is creating more online products for a lot of my clients where I don't have to travel, even though I still love it. Number one, number two is make sure that you identify the value from your experience to potential employees. I mean, they need to understand your experience and your expertise is something that every organization needs to have. And so you have to manage that and you have to identify that for that that potential employer. And again, just connect the dots. You got to express your own value.
0: Absolutely. Well, I, I definitely think that being a great communicator is a win for an organization. You know, sometimes we get so caught up in in tactics that we forget that somebody who has that ability to communicate and and get people excited and build the vision and then sell that vision is super important. And that's what all of us who have worked as speakers for a long time. That's what we do, right? That's exactly what we do. And Tom, in all of this uncertainty, right,
1: professional speakers know how to be certain in uncertain times, and organizations need that corporate teams need that
0: boards of te- organizations need that and so who better to do that than a professional speaker absolutely absolutely so last question then cuz sometimes speakers uh, on the on the side where we've been off working for ourselves and things like that we forget the value that we can bring to a company, is there anything we haven't touched on? Whether you're you're going from company to having the speaking business on the side, or being a speaker to working on the side, if you will, uh, is there anything that speakers need to think of to be clear to make sure that we're confident that hey, we have value for corporate America?
1: You know, I, I think if we can just step back and constantly take personal responsibility for the journeys that we're on, and to recognize that there's so many things that we cannot control. But one thing we can't control is how we respond to the opportunities that are before us, um, the relationships that we have that we're constantly building with our employers and with our clients. And at the end of the day, the results. And so the results can speak for themselves, but sometimes we need to shine a light on those results and help other people see them and experience them as well.
0: Well, Dr. Samuel Jones, thank you so much for being a guest here on Speakernomics, and thanks for being a a chapter president for the, the New Orleans chapter of the National Speakers Association. Will we see you at Influence this summer in Nashville?
1: Unfortunately, not. Um, I'm, I have some cli- I have some work. Right, I'm working with a couple of clients during that same time. So, unfortunately, I will not be there. But Tom, thank you for for doing this. Um, I, 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 my first time going to Influence was when it was in Denver, and I'll tell you what, it, it blew me away. Overwhelmed, and NSA is definitely. If you're going to be a professional speaker to anyone out there, definitely NSA. Need, you need to be a part of it. Um, I can't. I can't express how you need to be around people who are doing what you want to do. Um, That's what NSA has done for me. That's what the NSA chapter in New Orleans did for me. It really gave me a pathway to really bring my vision to life. And so it's been an honor.
0: Well, I'm sorry we won't cross paths that influence this summer, but hopefully next year, uh, you know, I I almost said, hey, I'm sorry you're working, but actually I'm happy that you're working because I'm happy anytime uh, a speaker has a client and they are out there working. So sorry we won't meet this year, but I got to tell you, I have so enjoyed getting to know you and I am so happy that you came on Speakernomics and shared Uh, your story with us because I think this is really valuable to many, many, many people who want to be able to try to have their foot in both camps and I think it can be done. Absolutely. It can be done. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. You know, Speakernomics is the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. And we want you to join us every single week to listen to this show, because this show is going to bring you more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And I want you to always remember the motto of this podcast. Speak. Get paid. Repeat. Repeat.